0: Our scripture reading this morning is Luke chapter 5, verses 12 to 16. Jesus cleanses a leper. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof to them. But now even more, the report about him went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities but he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks, Sharon. Morning, everybody. Good to see you. I'm just going to sort this place out a wee bit here before before I get going. Um, I wonder if anyone knows who this man is on the screen. Anyone know? No, doesn't look, doesn't look like anyone has an idea. Well, this man is called David Knott. Uh, and if you don't know who he is, I'm, I'm not surprised. Um, this man, uh, he's a Welsh doctor, but he's actually a, a best-selling author as well. He wrote a book called War Doctor, Surgery on the Front Line. I've heard about this man before. I didn't know what he looked like, uh, but uh, I've never, and I've never read his book either. I think I probably should sometime. But he's well known uh, because he spent the last 25 years or so of his life uh, taking unpaid leave from his job in the NHS as a surgeon to volunteer as a doctor, caring for the sick and the wounded in some of the world's most dangerous war zones in the the world. From Sierra Leone to Syria, from Afghanistan to Liberia, he has carried out life-saving operations and field surgery in some of the most challenging conditions with very limited resources at times. And when David not flies to these places, who does he go to? Who does he go straight to? He doesn't go to those who are well, he's a doctor. He goes to those who are in need. And David Knott is willing to go to these places that no one else will and offer things that no one else can. And as we come to Luke chapter 5 this morning, this incredible passage that really kind of flows from verse 12 right through to verse 32, um, we see another doctor, Dr. Jesus. He's going to the people who need him most. That's what Jesus says that he is. Look at verse 31 and 32 for a moment. Jesus, he answers that the Pharisees who are grumbling about why he's going to certain people and he says this to them those who are well have no need of a physician, a doctor but those who are sick I've not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance I've come for those who are sick not those who are well I've come for those who are in need those who are Wounded, sick, not by the effects of war, but by the effects of sin. And the question is do we see that Jesus Christ has come for us? That we are those people? Because this is a passage which is going to show us that we're all people who are sick and wounded because of the sin in our lives and the sin in our world. We're all people who desperately need the healing touch of Dr. Jesus. And the question is, do we see that? Do, I, do we see our need of Jesus this morning? From this point on in Luke's gospel, we're gonna see that there are people who don't. A group of people, the Pharisees, the scribes, the, the teachers of the law, they see no need. Of Jesus as their doctor they think their lives are sorted they see themselves as well already righteous before God and if that's us if we are like them then we're gonna see in the weeks that follow that Jesus has not come for people like us he's not come for those who think they're well he's not come for the righteous he says in verse 32 that he's a doctor who's come for the sick, for the unrighteous, for the sinner. Do you see that that's you this morning? Do you know that Jesus has come for you? Because if you do, well, this passage, it shows us that Jesus Christ is able and he's willing to save those who are in need. He's willing to bring healing and wholeness to all who come to him. Now, we're going to slow down. I did think about doing verses 12 to 32 this week. Thomas has been so gracious with me this week because I went back and forward and back and forward and he's preaching next week. So he was like, what am I doing? Am I doing doing chapter six or what am I doing? I don't know, but we're we're gonna slow down and Thomas is gonna preach what he was intending to preach next week, verses uh, 17 to 26. And I'm just gonna preach this week 12 to 16 because I think there is so much in this passage that's worth us slowing down, worth us considering. I don't wanna miss any of it with you. Because I want us to see Jesus Christ so clearly again. His power and authority, yes, which has been on display already in Luke's gospel. But even more than that, his compassion and his great love. Because Jesus isn't just able to save those who are in need. He is willing to save those who are in need. And that's all of us. All of us this morning. So I'm going to pray for us again because we need God's help. And and then we're going to see Dr. Jesus on his ward rounds, really, visiting passion number one here in Luke 5, 12 to 16. And then we're going to see how he transforms this man's life forever and he can do the same for us. So let me pray. Lord, we pray that you would help us this morning that you would reveal yourself to us again, reveal your glory and your majesty, your power and authority, Jesus, but also help us to see once again the love and the compassion that you have for each one of us in this room. Help us to see our desperate need of you, the healing that you offer to us. May we come to you for that today, Jesus. Amen. So, Here we have patient number one in this kind of three weeks that we're going to have of Luke chapter 5, 12 to 32. Patient number one is this man who is a leper. And and let's look closely at this man's situation. Look at his situation. We see a man who comes to Jesus and Luke says he is full of leprosy. This man is literally covered in head to toe in this horrible skin disease. Now, leprosy... It's a disease that starts with spots, and then it kind of progresses and becomes blotches all over the body, on the hands, on the legs, over your back. It's a horrible disease, one that actually attacks the nervous system as well. So leprosy often left people horribly disfigured. Sometimes lepers had lost fingers. Sometimes their faces were paralyzed in such a way that they couldn't blink anymore. And that meant that they were susceptible to infections in their eyes, and so lepers were often blind. It was a terrible, painful, slow decay of the body. This man is is probably in constant physical pain because of his leprosy. Leprosy deeply disfigured people. And leprosy also distanced people. God's law in the book of Leviticus back in the Old Testament, it gave the people at that time some laws and rules around how to to deal with people who were infected by this disease. Here's what it says in verse 45 and 46 of Leviticus 13. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose. And he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling place shall be outside the camp. That's outside the camp of of Israel, outside of God's people. Because according to God's law, leprosy rendered a person unclean, ceremonially unclean, which meant that they couldn't be around other people or they risked. Passing this infectious disease on to them and in so doing, passing their uncleanness on to them too. Lepers had to live alone, outside the camp, cut off from the community. And think about what that means. A person wakes up and, and has spots in their body. They go and and they see the doctor, and the doctor says, I think you need to go and see the priest. Because the priest was the person who looked and inspected uh, that person and the skin disease that they had and was the one to then say whether it was leprosy or not. And if it was found to be leprosy, then they would be told to leave, cut off from everyone else, their family, their relatives, their spouse, their children. Lepers were distanced from others because they were considered unclean. Imagine that was your daily existence. We know what this feels like. In some respects, this last year and a half, two years, has caused some distance between us in community because of an infectious disease, COVID nineteen. It's meant that we've had to social distance. Hugs and high fives have been replaced with awkward elbow bumps. We've had times of isolation, indoors, away from other people. This was the normal experience of this man. Forced to live at a distance from others. But most seriously of all, leprosy distanced people from God. They couldn't go into the town, which meant that they couldn't go to the temple, which meant that they couldn't go into the presence of God to do the very thing that they knew that they were created for, worshipping him with his people. Leprosy rendered a person unclean. It was a terrible disease. It's described as almost being like a living death. Lepers were like dead men walking. They existed, but they weren't really living at all. And in the language of the Old Testament, the language used to describe leprosy was very similar to the language used to describe sin and and what sin does to us. It wasn't that lepers were more sinful than anyone else, but that leprosy was almost like a visual picture of what sin does. Because sin, like leprosy, disfigures us. The sin in our hearts, it, it mars our character It's the reason for our arrogance, for our pride, for our selfishness. Sin is the reason why we often say nasty things about other people with no regard for their feelings. It's the reason why we get angry with our children at times. It's the reason we have this horrible desire to look at things on the internet that we'd be ashamed if others knew that we were looking at. The sin in our hearts manifests itself in a thousand different ways in our lives, and it produces an ugly picture. Because sin, like leprosy, disfigures us, and sin, like leprosy, also distances us. It distances us from others. It's the reason for conflict. It's the reason why our relationships break down. It's the reason why it's so difficult so often to keep the peace. Sin distances us from others. It creates disharmony and disunity in this world. But more seriously than that, sin distances us from God. Because sinful people are unclean. Unable to approach God who is holy. Our uncleanness cuts us off from him because God cannot be in the presence of sin. And so that means that we are unable to be close to him, unable to worship him and enjoy relationship with him just as we've been created to do. Sin disfigures us. Sin distances us. And sin is a problem that we all have, a problem that we cannot on our own. Like with leprosy, there is nothing we can do to make ourselves clean. But this is why this man has come to Jesus. Because I want us to look secondly at this man's faith. Look at his faith. He's used to hiding away from others, keeping his distance, but now he's come to town on this day. And I want you to recognize the massive risk that he is taking here you can imagine the, the horror that people had as he approaches, shrinking back from him, partly because of the way he looks, partly because of the fear of catching his uncleanness. And they're thinking, why is he here? Doesn't he know that he shouldn't be here? Doesn't he know that he's not welcome here? What is he doing? Well, he's heard about Jesus. He's heard about the power and authority this man has, that the the very power of God is working in him and through him to heal people. And he's desperate to see him. Look at verse 12. This is the sign of a desperate man. Luke says he came to Jesus and he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Jesus, I know that you can. I've heard what you can do. But are you willing? Would you be willing to make even someone like me clean? It's really interesting that he uses the word clean, isn't it? You might have thought he would have used the word better. Jesus, you can make me better. But he doesn't. He says you can make me clean See, this man is very aware that he's not just sick with leprosy, but that he is unclean. Unfit to stand in God's presence with the rest of God's people. Unworthy to worship him the way he is right now. He carries this guilt and shame around with him everywhere he goes, crying out, unclean, unclean. Imagine the stigma that came with that. Imagine the shame that this man must have felt. And so the question for him isn't one of whether Jesus is able to cleanse him. The question is whether Jesus is willing to cleanse him. Jesus, am I too far gone? Jesus, am I a completely hopeless case? Would God ever be willing to be close to someone like me? And maybe because of the things you've done in your life, mistakes you've made in the past, you're filled with this deep sense of of guilt and shame. You're painfully aware of the dirtiness of, of sin in your life. You're plagued by feelings of unworthiness before God. And you wonder, would Jesus ever want to be near to me, someone like me, someone as dirty and as sinful as me, would he ever welcome me? Well, look at the answer that we get in verse 13, because even though we have sinned against God, we are never too far gone. Never beyond or beneath, receiving his love and his grace in Jesus. Because while everyone else is pulling back from this man in horror, look at Jesus' response to him. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Miss the significance of this moment. It's so easy to gloss over it and lose the weight of this. Imagine the crowd who were watching, thinking, Jesus, you're crazy. Touching a leper? Do do you know what that means for you, Jesus? You're now going to be unclean, just like him. He's infected you with his uncleanness. Imagine the man. We communicate so much through touch. In life, don't we? A respectful handshake. A warm embrace. A reassuring hand on the shoulder. Sometimes those things can say so much more than any words ever would. This man, he can't remember the last time he's been touched. He probably thought it would never happen in his life again. But here is someone willing to do for this man what no one else Would Jesus touches him. See, this man had faith that Jesus could heal him, but the question looming in his mind was, is he willing to do it, though? Jesus doesn't need to touch him. We've seen this already, the power that he has to heal just through speaking. At his word, people were made well. So why does he touch him? Well, it's to show him what kind of a doctor he really is. He's a doctor that's not just full of power. He's a doctor that's full of compassion. Full of love for those who are lost. For those who are unclean. This is why he came. He came for the sick. He came to make them well. And do you see in this, in what Jesus does in touching him, the great reversal that takes place here. Instead of the man passing his uncleanness to Jesus, Jesus touches him and passes his cleanness, his purity to him. It's beautiful. And look at verse 14. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof to them. This fits again with what we read in in God's law around leprosy in Leviticus 13. See, the fact that this man has been cleansed by Jesus needs to be officially recognized. And as we said earlier, it's the priest who was the one to do that. He was in charge of that process. And do you see what this will mean for the man? While he was officially unclean, he was shut out. Shut out. From God's people, shut out from God's presence. But now he's officially clean. He can come back into the community, back into the presence of God, back into relationship with him again, doing the very thing he's been created to do, worshiping him, enjoying him. It's like this life's man has started this this man's life has started all over again. It's like he was once dead because of his leprosy, but now, now he is alive again because of Jesus. And all this is just a beautiful picture of the gospel and what Dr. Jesus has come to do for us. When we come to him recognizing the uncleanness of our hearts because of sin, when we come in humility to him, putting our faith in him, just like this man we see that he's not only able, but that he is willing to wash our hearts clean from sin. Jesus is willing to reach out into our lives and touch our sinful hearts. And in that moment, he takes our unrighteousness on himself. And he gives his perfect righteousness to us. That's what Jesus Christ did at the cross, at the cross where he died for us. He took the punishment of sin on our behalf so that we are given the blessing of his righteousness forever. It's the great exchange that Paul talks about in Second Corinthians 5.21, that moment that God made him who had no sin, completely pure, completely clean. He had no sin, but he made him to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. It's what we sang about on Wednesday night at our Ash Wednesday service. It's the power of the cross. Son of God, slain for us. What a love, what a cost. We stand forgiven now at the cross. The place where all of our sins are washed away and we are made clean forever the place that we are brought from spiritual death in our sin to spiritual life in Jesus Christ. And maybe this morning, you're really aware of how your sin has disfigured you, how sin has distanced you from other people, how it's distanced you from God, maybe. And maybe you just can't believe that God would ever want to be close to someone like you. The picture you have in your mind of God is one of him recoiling from you. Shrinking back in horror from you as he looks at the life that you have lived or are living right now. As he remembers all of your mistakes in the past. But look, do you see Jesus this morning? This is God in the flesh and, and don't just look at the power that Jesus has to save. See the willingness that he has to save as well. That man David Knott that I mentioned at the start, I, I've been struck by him this week as I read around him and, and thought about the life that he's lived for the last 25 years. He goes to, to war-torn, war-torn places for the sick, for those who need him. He doesn't have to go No one forces him to go, but he goes because he is willing to help. He knows that he is able, but more than that, he is willing. He's an incredible man, a man who I'm sure if he walked in here this morning, we would all revere and respect. And this week, I've been struck again by just how incredible Jesus Christ is amidst all the familiarity that there there is in this passage in this section of Luke's gospel it's so easy to look past the very heart of Jesus Christ to become so familiar with Jesus and the heart he has for us because Jesus he's a savior who comes into this world and he doesn't come as a king in a chariot to meet with the great and the good he comes as a physician a doctor to care for those who are wounded and broken. He didn't have to come, but he willingly came because he cares for us, because he loves us, and he wants to help us. It's the most simple but yet profound thing. Jesus doesn't rebuke this man for coming to him. He doesn't hold his nose or or pull out a pair of latex gloves. He doesn't need to be coerced into this. He doesn't do this begrudgingly. He simply sees the need of this man. He sees his humility and his faith and he willingly touches him and cleanses him. And this is what Jesus is willing to do for you this morning. This is what Jesus Christ has willingly done for you if you're a believer this morning. So why? Why would he treat you any differently now? The doctor has made you clean. He's come to make you well. He's washed away your sins. And because of that, you are now right with God forever. You stand in God's love and his grace forever. So you don't need to try and and win him over. You don't need to try and pay him back. You don't need to live lacking assurance or being gripped by this sense of of fear or worry about where you stand before God. You can just stand before him with absolute joy and confidence. You can approach his throne today with boldness, knowing that he's not disappointed by you. He's not disgusted by the sin in your life that maybe still lingers. No, he delights in you because of Jesus. He has done all he can to be close to you. So will you just come and enjoy the blessing of being right with him this week? Will you just come into his presence, praising him for all that he has done? He doesn't ask for anything else from us. He just wants us to find our joy and our confidence and our delight in Him. And as followers of Jesus Christ, I want to leave us thinking about one more thing this morning. There are people in this world who carry a stigma, the way this man carried a stigma of being a leper. Maybe it's the stigma people carry because of homelessness or because of their criminal past. Maybe it's the stigma of being a a drug addict or an alcoholic. Maybe it's the stigma that's existed for a long time in our society of being same-sex attracted. And I want us to really ask ourselves this morning as followers of Jesus Christ, how would Jesus respond to people like that if he were around today? How would he interact with people like that who maybe the world and even the church to our shame at times have made to feel unclean, unacceptable to God? We don't need to speculate, do we? We just need to look at the gospels, look at passages like this because Jesus shows us time and time again how he responds to people who carry a stigma in society, people who've got a checkered past, when they come to him, Jesus, he never condones or accepts their sin. But I don't see anywhere else in scripture where Jesus doesn't welcome the sinner. Make time for those who are lost. Show compassion to the outsider the reality is that's who Jesus came for. He came to seek and to save the lost. And that is all of us, all of us in this room. And as his followers, he calls us to go and to welcome those people just as he has done. To go and show compassion to them and love to them just as he has done. See, the more we understand the gospel of grace and what it means for us, a sinner, then the more we will be changed to be like Jesus Christ. I wonder, do we need to maybe repent, ask for God's forgiveness for some of the sinful attitudes maybe that we've had towards others or the way we've spoken about others, the way we've welcomed or or not welcomed others? Do we need to grow in caring for and showing compassion to the hurting, to the isolated, to the marginalized in our society? I know I do. Society is not our example. Even other Christians are not our example. Jesus Christ is our example. And here's the way we see Jesus respond to all who come to him. There's this book um, that I read a while ago. It's called Gentle and Lowly. It's a brilliant book, which it's actually kind of based off the, the call to worship, the verses that John read in Matthew 11, um, in Matthew 11 just at the start. Um, it's a book that, that talks about the heart of Jesus Christ for, for sufferers and sinners, of which we all are. And here's a quote about Jesus and what he is like, his very heart. And, and my prayer this week has been, please, Jesus, Please help me by your spirit to be more like you, more like this. Make humble, gentle. Jesus is not trigger happy, not harsh, reactionary, easily exasperated. He is the most understanding person in the universe. The posture most natural to him is not a pointed finger, but open arms. Jane and I have talked about this a lot recently, how easy it is to treat other people in a way that Jesus never treats us. How easy it is to react to other people in a way that's so unlike the way Jesus reacts to us. Jesus has been so compassionate and gracious to us so understanding and so patient. This is why our our Savior Jesus has called us to be like him towards others. So let's humbly ask him to help us be like this, to help us be like him more and more every day. And as we finish, look at verse 15 and 16. Let me read it. But now, even more, the report about him went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. See, there's a magnetism towards Jesus Christ that we see here at the end of this passage. People drawn to him. Yes, they they might not all be drawn to him for the right reasons yet, but people see that Jesus not only has the, the power to heal, but that he is willing to heal, that he's willing to save And this is something that we see throughout the Gospels. Many people coming to Dr. Jesus, asking for his help. And I think the more we live like Jesus as his followers in this world, the more we're compassionate and caring and welcoming like him, then the more people will be drawn to us too. Not because they want more of us, but because they want more of the Jesus who is in us. And the only way to be more like Jesus and live like this is to to do more of what we see Jesus doing at the end of of our passage here in verse 16. He would withdraw to desolate places and pray. We've seen this before in chapter 4, verse 42. We get this pattern that exists throughout Luke's gospel. We see it in chapter 6. We see it in chapter 9. Jesus withdrawing to desolate places And praying on his own. And do you see what fuels Jesus' ministry? Do you see what gives him the capacity to be loving and compassionate, tender and mercy to those around him? Jesus needed time on his own with his Father. That's what fueled him. That's what filled him up to allow him to pour out his life on others. And if that's what Jesus, the son of God, needed to fuel his life and ministry, then surely we need so much more of that as his followers. John said this before as we were in our preaching series on abiding in Jesus, and it's always stayed with me. He said, a cup can only spill what it contains. A cup can only spill what it contains. If we want to be like Jesus, pouring out God's love and his grace on others, overflowing with compassion and tenderness, then we need to do what we see Jesus Christ doing here. Spending time with our Father. Prioritizing time, just being with him. In his presence, being filled up by his spirit. That's what we see Jesus Christ doing and that's what we need in ministry and in life as well as as followers. Here's my encouraged, encouragement to you this week, just as it is for me as well. Maybe this week, just take time to be with your Father in heaven. Remember what Jesus Christ has done for you to make you clean, to make you acceptable in God's sight and, and know that because of what he has done, you are now secure with God. You can come into his presence. You can enjoy and delight being with him. Do that this week and may that be the place out of which you live and serve Jesus as his follower.